Hey, it's going well. There we go. So just finishing packing up this joint. I was getting rolled beforehand. First session of the day or? I recorded a uh, 510 review this morning. So I got the joint just to have it on hand for when we get going. I don't have to try and roll it during. (laughs) Tried that once and got halfway into the conversation. It's like, well, I'm halfway through doing two things right here. I should probably have it ready next time around. (laughs) It's hard to multitask. Oh, exactly. Especially when you get a good conversation going. I end up standing there, the joint mid-roll in my fingers like, oh. And I tend to talk with my hands, so I try not to throw the weed everywhere. That's the biggest battle I end up putting up with it. Yeah, good luck. Are yeah. you uh, are you more of like a loose leaf kind of rolling paper guy, or do you buy like the cones or what's? Yeah, loose leaf. I definitely loose leaf for everything. Um, yeah. the, the cones are convenient, like when you're out and about, and you just like it's like pre milled, right? There's convenience and there's time for it, but it's not an everyday thing for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's different when it's like a piece of art when you roll it yourself, you like connect with it. Well, exactly. And it's, and it's different papers for different amount of time and different types of weed. Like there's, there's some strains where I won't have any issues grabbing a king size just because the actual length of time that it's going to be smoking that it improves the flavor because the more resin it has, the more flavorful it gets. Then there's other stuff where it's the one inch papers because that's all you need. And you're just spaceship completely out of it. Right zoinked yeah exactly I, um my favorite papers are the raw blacks i don't know why they're just like they just hit different the original raw blacks are probably my favorite raw papers and not yeah. until i got introduced to the, the organic hemp's that they have and then now that they've got the black organic hemp's i'm like okay game changer. that's exactly and you know the- when they've got expert roller right on the bottom corner of it yeah <laughs> So it just, it makes you, makes you feel a little special. Exactly. Um, You know what Raw's coming out with? I I watched this on a no jumper interview with with the CEO and they're coming out with a terpene infused rolling paper. So they'll be like infusing with like limonene, pinene or whatever, which is interesting because now you can get like a different taste and a different profile with your weed and you can like custom match it. It's just, it's crazy how far cannabis has gone. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see where those end up taking off and especially to see if the companies end up starting to utilize it to support their cannabis that may not be of the highest tier. That's the one thing about it that makes me go, "Uh, yeah, who's going to use it to bring their bunk on the market and sell it as mid level? Yeah. Well, I'm hearing health Canada is going to come out with some changes regarding like botanical terpenes. Like it has to come from the actual plant, not just like some synthesized lab uh, flavoring. So that'll be, it'll change. It'll change how like a lot of LPs look at releasing products. Oh, that's, it'll change. It'll be a complete restructuring for the 510 brand. Yeah. Cause you, I don't even, I'm making up numbers, but like, let's say like 70% of the vapes on the market right now, the distillate vapes, at least they're all using like botanical terpenes, some, oh, I, some spectrum, some are live resin, so on and so forth. But well, just thinking off of the ones that I've come through, the distillate based ones, those ones could, I would say probably closer to the 85, 90%. Yeah. There's, there's very few brands that are using a cannabis based terpene to go with it. 
And I'm curious to see how many of them are using that lab synthesized versus the plant base. Cause that will play a factor in it. And yeah. it'll be like, for me, it'll, it, the companies like good supply that have like the purple monkey that have just taken over the market. I can, yeah. I'll give them respect there. I'm curious to see if they're going to be a changer because of the price point that they do it at. Yeah. It almost seems like it would make sense. Right, right. I, I feel like there's different like customer segmentation, right? Like good supplies after the more like value buyer. Yeah. Whereas like people like me and you were probably after like, like not like quality, there's a lot of quality out there, but just like experience and like true, like enthusiastic, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like, like experimenting with different kinds of products and then seeing what gives you the most effect for your dollar. Exactly. It's like the the best bang for your buck is usually what I end up saying with it. And it's, it's very true with how, uh, how I end up finding products and like, especially with flour, if I can go and see the care that's given to the plant and the end quality of the flour, and you can always tell that with a company that really does care for the, even if they don't necessarily hand trim everything and they just, they have the, the shuckers that go through and do the base and then they hand trim everything at the end you see the difference between the full machine trim. Yeah. They look a little bit different. If they hand jar their stuff, it's a little bit different. If it's glass and it's got the integer pack, it's a little bit like you just notice little extra things where it's like, huh, I like the way this is going. Right. Right. And I feel like you connect with a different, like when you see like as a consumer looking at a product that you've seen on the market, if you can actually like with your own eyes, see how it's grown. I feel like there's that emotional connection too. Like I was oh, at Parkland Flower a couple of times and it's just, the way they like look at things and and how they grow their their it's just it's awesome it's it's a different ball game um we're trying to set up well we will set up a a tour with palm gardens as well um so yeah it's, it's interesting a lot of good edmonton growers out there too yeah i would definitely um suggest reaching out to uprise and partake but yeah. i was able to go and visit both of those guys it would have been last week it was amazing like both yeah. of those are quality, like top quality level um, genetics that they have in there and grows. They run full rooms. So in comparison to what Parkland does, because I was able to visit them when they did that uh, tether, um, bud tender event. Yeah. So they do the sea cans, um, Parkland and not Parkland, um, Partake and Uprise do full rooms. Right. So it's a little bit of a different setup in there. And the, the crews that they've got in there are amazing people as well. Really, really good cannabis coming out of there too. So it's a, it's a different approach to doing the same type of care and quality that they uh, put out there. And yeah, yeah, Uprise yeah. isn't too far from where Parkland is either. It's right out in that, that Atchison industrial area, which is so cool to see the amount of growers that have set up out in that little industrial area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cheap real estate and, uh, yeah, Atchison's not too far from Edmonton, so they can kind of get the supply in. It's interesting. Yeah, even like uh, Southern Alberta, kind of more like Calgary, Sundry area, ton of growers out there. Well, even Red Deer's got its own little hub in the central, which is, yeah. I was I was really, when I heard that Atlas was based out of there, I was like, oh, so natural history, like there's some decent, like, mm-hmm. and size too. Like they've got some good employment level on that size because they're putting out a lot of cannabis nationwide too which is nice you know what's also cool is uh olds college they actually have a program in their agriculture department for cannabis cultivation 
So I feel like if like Nade and U of A and kind of all these other universities and post-secondary, if they include some sort of cannabis spin on it, I feel like it'll be a more credible industry. And not only that, we'll get much better genetics and kind of cultivation processes and it'll be game changing. Oh, absolutely. And a good, a a perfect college to introduce that would be Red Deer because they could literally pair right up with Atlas. It's a, it, it is a cultivating based central hub for alberta like it is a f- next to calgary it's our farm city yeah around yeah. like really it is it's the, the red deer stampede is is uh, not the red deer stampede but the red deer area feeds into the Pinoka stampede it feeds into the calgary stampede it f- just feeds into all the agriculture and that kind of central hub between edmonton and calgary and right. it's funny how like you go down there and it is a totally different feel than yeah. edmonton is yeah. I get it. Edmonton, you go, oh, this is this is a city. Like very, yeah. very, very little um like subcultures within the city. You get to Red Deer, it's pretty much the same field, no matter whether you're on the north side, the south side. It's it's very western and agriculture and just um like very uh what's what's the there's a, a term that I just can't think of right now. Like it's It'll come uh, to it. Yeah, it'll it probably 45 minutes later when it's not useful. Yeah. Um, like very agri-centered, like the agriculture and just land right. um, promotion and growth centered, just production and everything along there because of that's where the chunk of our growing is where, where I am. It's a lot of bush. So we get <laughs> oil field, we get lumber, like it's totally different industries. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of people's livelihoods, right? Is more like farming and, and agriculture. It's a lot of grain and canola. And yeah, I wonder, um, you know how like Google and, and Facebook, they have all these kind of like universities where they'll essentially train employees so they can hire and have more employees coming in. I wonder if LPs will do something similar where they can host these or not host, but like educate people that are interested in cannabis cultivation and like bring them into the fold that way and kind of groom them in a way and then uh, hire them. So I, I feel like that would help for help the economy. Well, if, if you were to do something like that, there'd be a couple of different ways that you could approach it for companies like Canopy and even Aurora, like those really large companies, yeah. they should almost approach more of like a McDonald's style progressive where it's like, okay, let's get you in understanding the products. You have an interest in the growing. While you're dealing with our products, while you're selling the stuff, while you're understanding it, we're going to teach you how we grow it. We're going to teach you the base because then you're able to provide that information to the customers. If you're able to relay that information, you're going to have it on hand when you move to that next step. I can see companies like that that have the storefronts that have the ability to do that. If they went along that way, you'd see major, major growth of just knowledge for those companies across the board. And you, I, I think you'd see more support from the industry too, to the larger companies if they did that, because they're so. grow they're growing their own. And that would be the best way to kind of carve their own little chunk of the industry out. Well, and it add credibility, right? Imagine if you had a degree in cannabis cultivation, right? That's, oh. it would be pretty, pretty noble. Well, exactly. Stigma. Well, and, is- and, well, and even for me, like I look at it as like the fire, like, cause I was doing firefighting in EMS before. So a lot of um, city based fire departments, they will recognize the, I don't know if the numbers have changed, but like the national fire NFPA national firefighting 
um, protection association, or I can't remember exactly what the acronym stands for, but there's numbers associated to all of your college courses in okay. within firefighting. So your 1001 is your full firefighting. Your ba- basically it's firefighting for dummies and it mm-hmm. gives you all the basic understanding, you know, the tools, you know, all that. When you move into city departments, they will recognize that as an asset, but right. in your training, you will do one that is directly built for that fire department. You will redo your 1001 as we call it, but it is the city of Edmonton or the city of Red Deer or the city of Calgary, the city of Medicine Hat. They each have one that is specifically curtailed to their standard mm-hmm. operating procedures, their methods of operation, the way that they're um, like their, uh, op- I go operating, their command system is set up. They, they mm-hmm. literally can implement full names in there going, Captain so-and-so will be telling you to do this so that it is very uh, much you are learning what we want, but it's that same 1001 based standard, all this, all the baseline stuff, the, Mm -hmm. the um, must hit points are covered the same. It's just, we're doing it to our system of operations. It's customized. Exactly. That's kind of the approach I could see the industry doing because they have their own grow methods. They have their own nutritional systems. They have their own strains. Like you almost have to do that to really grow someone within your system that would benefit your system. hundred percent. And honestly, like in a time where the economy is suffering, um, Deloitte just came out with a report saying that since legalization, uh, cannabis has added what 43.5 billion to Canada's GDP and then created 151,000 jobs. And that was like still without too much like government funding or support um and if we can like lean into that and especially if lps can sort of grow people all pun intended uh to kind of (laughs) them it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer and it and if we can have some level of like standardized acceptance it's like okay i got this deep into this program within this company and Mm. it's somewhat of a standardization where it's like okay well if you move over to this company these steps are going to be somewhat the same. Just do the referral. Let's see what you right. know. We'll test you. And then, okay, you do these learning modules to catch up. Right. Like basic, it's like transferable and basic comprehension. And yeah, that and, makes sense. And it, you would, and even then you would give um, bud tenders the opportunity to learn about all the different op- options within the industry, because there are people who have no interest in growing, but right distillate production cool that's their avenue because they like the chemistry they like the lab based Mm -hmm. knowledge Mm -hmm. absolutely or the packaging and quality assurance side of thing because that is 100 its own portion of this industry yeah huge like just give the butt the base bud tenders information and knowledge to go oh six months of me doing my knowledge and understanding the products and selling it here while I'm doing this training will then have me into an LP based job doing quality assurance where I'm bumping around my local dispensaries now seeing what people's doing pop-ups um, seeing the opinion like it just it opens up the uh, like that's the biggest thing I'm experiencing is I'm always like oh that's a whole nother avenue for job opportunities that people could be going into right the more I learn about this industry it's like there's endless opportunities for jobs in this industry and especially with how new it is it's constantly just developing and the amount of people who've built their own opportunities too. Like 
hundred percent. Yeah. Like with Dro, for example, I just kind of wanted to see a marketplace where it brings the dispensary to the customer. But I feel like a lot of people focus on, I'm either a bud tender or a grower. And like you mentioned, like the packaging, that that's its own segment right there. I mean, the packaging is kind of disgusting these days. If you've ever, mm-hmm. if you've ever, well, you've seen like a lot of retailers, they have recycling programs and some LPs with like um, vape carts and so on and so forth. But something needs to be done regarding like more innovative packaging, kind of lessening the burden on the environment. It's just, it's, yeah, it's not a good scene. No, it is. It's, it's very excessive. Like you're seeing an improvement from the beginning. Like I will 100% agree. You're not seeing the plastic that's covered in cardboard that has a plastic wrap around it. You're not seeing that, that excess is done, but there's still a lot of packaging that, is ridiculous and some of the companies that are doing it because their brand needs to be a certain size and they are making the packaging so much bigger so that they can throw the thc label that needs to be of adequate size it's like are you are you kidding me because like there are some companies where it's like this is an ounce worth bag so it's not bad when it's full it's full but if they were using this for seven grams just so that they can have vertical is that big to match with the THC because the THC logo, a lot of people don't know that this can't be outsized by the actual brand logo. It has to be equivalent or bigger. Interesting. Okay. Talk about okay. excess there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a competitive space. I mean, if you saw it on a shelf at the store or at the dispensary, you'd probably gravitate towards the bigger packaging, right? Well, exactly. The better branded and yeah. like, same ounce bag, different company, but right. you look at the size difference. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the ounce bags are, are a bad example of it because they have a lot more space to work with, but there's some companies that like, Oh, here's a good one. This is a seven gram bag and it was flat like this. And it's that big of a bag. Yikes. And Complete even, the excess. Label, even the label isn't the full width of the bag. Let me ask you, um, would you pay a deposit similar to when you go buy like a bottled beverage? And then if you could go and redeem your deposit back at a recycling center, would you be all good with that? Like, let's say it was 25 cents for like the ounce bag. I've got three boxes of containers. I'm waiting for that to be enacted. <laughs> just so you can cash in. Just so that I can put it into the recycling program. Cause we were yeah. a part of the, the free upcycle program that I believe it was canopy was putting on for a while. Yeah. And then it, right around the beginning of COVID, they just shut her down. Right. Yeah. Now, it's, now there's two companies that we're looking at and they're both pay to use. And it's like, okay, now is it, how effective is that going to be for the company to be able to pay to bring in? Yeah. Because if he brings it in right off the bat, if it's going off of, if he's going to ship out all of our stuff, there's six boxes worth of pro- worth of containers just from the customers at the shop and three of them are mine. <laughs> Which, right. So I don't think I've got be- a box of vape cartridges too, that are I'm waiting for a recycling program. That's another thing, right? Vape cartridges. Um, I don't think the owner should be on the company itself. It should be like a provincial mandate or not a mandate, but a provincial program where I, government. I'm, I'm okay. If it's per company and they pay like, so each company pays and they keep track of it. Then at the end of the end of the year, it's a rebate. It's a tax rebate. I've got yeah. no issues with that. Then 
yes, it's the government taking the bill on it, but it's on the company's, it's then the company's responsibility to take care of it, order the boxes it's using, doing stuff like that, because it will create more jobs doing it that way. Right. And it will create for, um, opportunities for more local based areas to set up. Right. So I think it would be a little bit better for everyone involved. And again, it would be just that extra opportunity for more jobs, more employment within the cannabis industry, because you, instead of turning it into, Oh, well, you're just going to the bottle depot now. Yeah. We've got, well, we got a cannabis and it's, it could be just a small guy with a C can literally. And he yeah. just does hauls to the trip because it's, you're not doing anywhere near the amount of recycling as you are with bottles, the space and all that stuff doesn't take up anywhere near the size. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I just wonder like how difficult it is to recycle a vape cartridge and like what you could use with the recycled yeah. material. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, could you make like a recycled vape cartridge? Like this is out of my knowledge. Um, but I was, I'm wondering if, if there's some, some process similar to like how you can recycle bottles and make new bottles so on and so yeah. forth. We'll see. Or even, or even just breaking it down and reutilizing some of the components, right? Like, and right. then having a transition where the five tens geared towards the more recycling, more recycle, recyclable and just um, reusable base for the design. And you'd see it adjust that market, which wouldn't be a bad thing either. Yeah. There's a lot of waste that happens in the cannabis market just on the um, side of convenience and cost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always sad when you like, you're taking like a walk or whatever, and you just see like in some bushes or the grass, you see like a cannabis pre-roll container yeah. and you, this just looks bad on the industry. Or the disposable pens laying all over the place. Yeah, those, have been, those kill me. Those kill it. Yeah. Cause yeah, it just leaches into the ground and it's just not good. Not good at all. But um, yeah. Yeah. What are you smoking on? This is some of that uh, strawberry cake from Vertical, that ounce bag. Okay. It's good. It actually came in really nice at, at a like a 4% terp on the mm-hmm. ounce bag that we had. And 20% on the THC, 20.1, 21% this time around. Okay. And do they have the terpene sort of results on the back? So they give you the top four terpenes on it. So it's got the terpinoline at almost one and a half percent. Um, beta maristine, beta osmine, and delta limonene on there. They do actually a decent job for their branding. So the best that I've come across is, by far has been shelter. Shelter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, surprisingly today, uh, that box, that uh, cartridge review, Box Hot yeah. does a similar back as uh, shelter does with their okay. cartridges. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So that's, that's new. That is, it's always nice when you see like new products hit Alberta, especially like 2.0 products. Um, I was going to ask something. Blanking. Yeah, like they give you the cultivar information, the extraction method, the flavor and aroma. Um, they tell you that it's formulated with 8, 8% botanical terpenes and then list them off. Yeah, they did a really good job. If you've ever checked out, like, this probably before legalization, like, mail order sites, 
um, like mail order dispensaries, like usually they'll have like a COA. It's interesting that you don't see too many LPs release that information, right? For the public. Like, I don't know if you yeah. order online ever, or if you're more of just like, a, I want to go in the store and have a chat with a bartender kind of guy. But um, I don't know. It just like adds a layer of credibility and more information than just like THC, CBD price and yeah. tight. I, there's like the, the generic information for me, if I'm, try, I'm just trying to think the best way to, to word this, like, honestly, for me, the base information for just um, a standard, like you're putting out product to kind of hit that economy level. You're not really looking to make a craft base. So there is going to be some fluctuation you got like lar- just larger grows going on. Um, Cali Patra does a good job with the information because they give you the strain name. And if it's a genetic cross, they give you the cross name, the THC, oh, okay. the CBD total, the terpene total, the package date. The only thing that I would like to know other than that would be a cure time. Oh, right. If you, right. if you let us know that it's a 10 day cure over a 14 day cure, I, I personally notice a difference, but okay. I also grow my own weed. I've played a little bit with the, the longer cure or mm-hmm. not a cure, the dry time. I mean, the cure Dude. that you're, the dry time plays more of a factor, not the cure time. That was a mistake on my part. Oh, so a 10, to, a 10 to 14 day dry. It'd be curious to see whether they go on the 10 side, the 14 side, or there's some people who are cutting it at seven, which is short. Interesting. Do you like more of like a moist weed or somewhere like in between dry and moist? Like what, what's your preference? A little bit of a damper bud for sure. Like yeah. I, I'd like to be able to squeeze it and have a little bit of stickiness on my fingers. Yeah. Um, like a super sticky, fresh bud. It would be awesome. Like that real dank, sticky cush kind of bud. Yeah. That'd be awesome to see, but there's very few genetics that produce that. And then you can maintain that. So I can't expect that with everything. Well, here's a million dollar question then. What's your all time dominating favorite strain? Um, the, the best experience that I have, and I always end up going back and mentioning it is the orange creamsicle that I smoked down in Washington state. It was a live resin pre-roll though. So it was like it, it was, and it was my first, um, infused pre-roll that I had. So it was like, it, it caught me off and I'm thinking it's more memory than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Nostalgia. Exactly. I've hyped it up to uh, what it is. Um, uh, but lately a GMO has been like partake GMO has really caught me off guard and has been, uh, kind of setting the tone for a lot of new genetics I've been trying. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of GMO in the market. Um, the one strain that I've just been looking for all over is red Congolese. I tried it once and unreal sativa, unreal. Like yeah. just it's exactly what I'm after. Like that energy, like very talkative, like just. Um, Simply Bear has their, uh, their Congo, their Creek Congo, which is a, uh, I believe it's a red Congo cross. Yeah. And it yeah. was good. It had a nice, heavy, heady sativa too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was another one that I just had that was similar to that? Did you, have you had a chance to try the, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. 
it was a dosey do cross, but I'm trying to remember which one it was. Too many strains. Oh, too many reviews. <laughs> well, it was uh, so on top of just the strains that I pick up and try. Yeah. I hit 250 reviews this past December. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so <Wow>. like, <laughs> and that's, Oh, that would have been right around the two year mark of me taking it seriously. Yeah. So like it is the amount of strains that I've gone through is crazy. When I go back and think about it, do you ever take notes or anything like that? Or are you just like right off the dome? So the, like any of my reviews, um, I break them down like this. So I've got the full, and I've got, this is my third notebook of this. Um, I'm trying to, let's get to an edited one. Yeah. So when it's fully edited, it's got a lot more to it and it's like video notes and stuff like that on there as well. But I've got three notebooks of, uh, like reviews tracking it. And I've actually have been building up a Google, um, like Excel sheet and I want to get it um, set up so it's a little bit interactive and then actually publish it so that people can go through and see that'd be really cool and then it like it has i've been linking all of my youtube videos to it so if you go and you see something you like you can click right on the video and go and check it out like have it be uni like all purposeful when it comes to the oh i want to go see what he thought of this and then you can even if it's has the search bar search it up see what i think of all of that um Sunset Sherbet, for example, because there's lots of options on that. I've reviewed it a couple of times. A GMO, strains like that. An idea you could pitch to an LP is um, if you review their product, you can have the video and kind of like your notes and kind of your ratings on it. You can create a QR code. And I wonder if they can like stick it on the product uh, packaging and then like a potential buyer could like scan it with their phone. It pops up like all the reviews and everything. That'd be nice. Right. And just have somebody that's not a bud tender recommend the product. Somebody that's like, I don't know if you could actually like consume it, if that would go against the regulations, but definitely just like an opinion. Well, exa- well, and the thing is that if I'm doing the reviews of my own, if I'm going and doing it anyways, and it's just, we're compiling everything and putting it on there to provide a service. I think it would, I think yeah. there may be difference that way. It falls. Yeah. So definitely you can review it. I don't know if they can take the review and put it on their actual. Packaging. Yeah. That's the only, you know what I mean? Cause then you're, con- it's like you're endorsing it in a way. Exactly. And you're consuming it at the same time. So it's a little, it gets into a little bit of a gray area, but um, maybe like a separate flyer or something. Yeah. But there needs to be more information out there. Well, it'd be, that's one of those things where it'd be nice to see that be removed from the market because then you'd start to be able to see a lot not necessarily the endorsement side of things but more of that okay we can go a part of our quality assurance is we can reach out to accredited based or you find there's some way to be able to utilize it to okay well this is information we're passing we're not like it's it's almost like the people who get the 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 pre it's the the pre-release access, right? Yeah. We're not yeah. we're trying to get information ready so that we can adjust what we're doing before we release it. Just have some and then you can almost almost get that um 
double-edged sword with it where while we're doing quality assurance and we're utilizing the feedback to share with the customers from people who have tried it. I know there's a subclass of uh, license for cultivators and kind of researchers and they can apply for like an R&D license so they can have test groups come in, consume the cannabis and review it. I wonder if there, there could be like a registry of reviewers and you have to kind of get some sort of certification, kind of like a qualified cannabis worker. And then that way you're licensed or you have a permit and then it's not an endorsement per se. It's more of just like a, a consumer review. And then they could take that information, put it into like some research, not just for the product, but just for like effects of cannabis. Why don't, why isn't it just an additional thing to the Q, like the QCW? That was a perfect example. You have to have a QCW to be able to do it. Then yeah. if the government's going, well, we need to have our hands in it. Well, you get a criminal record check and you get to assign the people who have the QCW. And then yeah. you'll have people say like me, who's interested. I'll be willing to drive to the LPs to be a part of the tester group and to do that. Yeah. Then you do a mini um, quality assurance based these are what we expect for quality. These are the standards that we have. If they don't meet, you need to let them know. Right. And charge an extra fee. I'm sure there's plenty of us that'll pay the 25 extra dollars to apply yeah. for that every yeah. five years with our QCW. Like 100%. it's, and then you on the access list and then they can send out the companies go and go, okay, we'll send out. We're looking for these people and they have the open group. Yeah, it would it would be hugely beneficial for that. I think so. I think so. Or, and or and even them of- having like smoke lounges be legalized and ha- being able to host the, in there. That would be another option. Yeah, I think that's far off. I I, uh, I would love to see it. I just don't think like Canada is ready for that per se. I think well, consumption lounges is just going to start with edibles because there's this huge thing about smoking indoors. So, yeah, but no, uh, back to the point about like testing, that's definitely, it's viable. It's definitely viable. Just needs to have some sort of like organization to it. And I don't know, it'd be pretty cool to like consume cannabis even before it was released to the public. And I feel like a lot of LPs wouldn't just cultivate a product, spend months trying to develop it, release it for it to fall on its face. Right. Oh, exactly. Well, how many of the companies are trying to get into the medical market so that they can release it on the medical side first? see if it moves and because it's, it is so much more cost effective to bring it there because you're not battling for a new legal skew when you're coming to the medical market. It's, Hey boys, we got this genetic. It's with, it's within the standards that you guys have asked us to try and bring for bring to market. Okay. Let's give it a run. It's following all the health Canada standards. They have the option of bring more strains to market with a lot more ease. Alberta is disgusting to bring new strains onto the market with. Yeah. Like there's a lot of checks and balances, right? Like there's, there's positives and negatives. Like I'm, I'm very like neutral towards it because I look at California and a lot of these strains, they're just, it's grown out in Humboldt. And then some dude in a Subaru goes and brings it to a dispensary. Right. Sometimes there's a COA. Sometimes it's, you know what I mean? It's very like gray market still, but here, like it has to get tested it has to pass certain uh, regulations. Like I, I don't know. It's more comforting for me to know that there's not heavy metals in the weed that I'm smoking. Oh, absolutely. Um, For me, it's just having the ability to bring new genetic variants in to the companies who have already defined themselves as, okay, we've got, we're on the market. We've got, I give you, if you hit a set number of strains where they've gotten cleared, 
if you want to bring a new genetic to market, it shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg to try and get a new SKU. No. Like no. The, the standard testing, all those, I 100% agree with you. But if you've been able to prove that you're, you're able to move, you've got multiple SKUs that come on market and they've done well, and you want to bring a new genetic on that you think is going to do well, it, you shouldn't have to build, go and create this new sub brand to be able to bring in six. It's like, okay, we want to bring six new genetics over the next three years. How much is it going to cost us? Oh, well, six new SKUs, SKUs that are just pre-purchased for you. It's going to be this much. And they can bulk buy them or so that it's a little bit of a better deal for them. They don't have the strain ready, but it's okay. Uprise has six SKUs ready to go. Parkland has three SKUs. By the end of 2022, these SKUs are going to be filled. Right. And if they're not, you lose access to them. You paid your fee. Sorry. You didn't fill them this year. I don't have any, I don't have an issue with that. I'm sure the companies would probably prefer that if, and have the ability to bring more strains to market. If they have the room and they have the ability to, if it costs yeah. them a little bit less to do it. Well, there's also two things. It's like the taxes, like Alberta charges like a 16% excise tax, oh. right? And then there's definitely a choke point with uh, distribution because the AGLC has to distribute it mm-hmm. to all the retailers, right? But Saskatchewan's a little different. Retailers can purchase directly from LPs, which is interesting. So I think that plays a part in it is the tax and the distribution yeah. kind of uh, chain. It's, it's interesting. Well, and... I'm sure it also plays a factor with how much work they had to do when they were running the albertacannabis.org too. I think that's going to change with the eighth and it shutting down. That's going to change things. I think you're going to see a little bit more fluid movement from AGLC. You're going to see a lot more fresh product coming to um, our shops. Like that was our biggest battle at the beginning was getting old stuff and we're still getting some old stuff, but yeah. Most of the time we know that it's old. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's definitely getting better in terms of like the package dates and so on. So we'll see. How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about delivery coming out here next month in Alberta? It's got its benefits, but where I'm at, I don't see it doing very well. Like I I'm in a small rural community. If we wanted to deliver, we would need 45 minute delivery times for it to make it it even worthwhile. Cause like we've got a small town that's half hour out of our, they would make, we'd make an absolute killing, but it's a half hour trip out there. Yeah. And then we've got another one, Smith. It's about a half hour, 45 minutes drive. If the weather's good, like this is a lot of highway driving. If we're doing that delivery in town, it's, it's town. The people who are walking to the pot shop are walking to the pot shop. Yeah, they're not like, going to pay 10 bucks for like dude, a 10 minute walk. They're not going to pay $10 for the four minute, four dollar pre roll they're paying in change. That's a good way to put it. Like, that's, that's good. The, people, yeah. the, the people who would order are, are coming in and they want to look at the menu. They want to talk to us. They want to see what our opinions are because they're dropping $250 on pre rolls because they're sitting down and they're having a weekend with their significant other or their family and they want to get the best pre rolls. Right. Right. We don't have the consumer base. I guess it's more of like a city um, value uh, than, than anything. Right. How many, uh, how many pot shops are there around your neck of the woods there? Two, two in my town. Gotcha. Edmonton has like at least 80, 70, like it's, it's crazy. And that's like just in Edmonton, not like the greater Edmonton area. Fort Saskatchewan was funny when I pulled in there, I was like, Oh, 
there's a pot shop beside a pot shop. Yeah, yeah. It's like, at least, okay. At least this it's is... not like Ontario. Like, uh, I think it's Queen Street, I want to say. Like, literally, like, next to each other, door-to-door weed, weed stores. It's it's nuts. Yeah. It's... It doesn't make sense. Well, if they're doing their own thing and they're providing a different service, I could see it. Like, with with Fort, uh, Fort, with, um, Fort Saskatchewan, it's there's a spirit leaf and then there's a local one. Yeah. So it's, you can tell that they're both scratching a different itch. Spirit leaf yeah. is the, the people who just don't care. It seems like they won't go in, go out, or they have somebody that they like as a bud tender. They'll go mm-hmm. and do their, do their shopping there. The other shop, it's the, uh, it seemed like it was ounces and pre-rolls where what they moved. So it's just, how do, you, how do you think these stores are like making their decisions to buy product? Is it, are they looking at their uh, POS analytics and saying like, all right, pre-rolls are moving more than dried flour. These are the uh, brands within the category. Or is it just like, oh, this looks good. Or I'm going to check on Reddit. Like, how, what do you think like the strategy is overall? Um, well, I know there's like different approaches for, for different stores. Like uh, I was able to rep for Cypress Craft for a couple of months and I was going around the shops and you could tell that there are some people where it's like, Oh, the owner does the uh, ordering and he's going to order what he wants. Like it's a personal pick. He goes through, he has a system, he does things. And then there's other shops where it's like, it's a communal system where it's like, Hey, we're running out of this. I think this one and this one and this one would do well. And then it's this, the kind of group makes a decision towards it, or there's four or five people, the core kind of bud tenders or key holders help make a communal decision. Um, Those two seem to be the most common approaches I found. Um, the shop that I work at, it's, uh, we have our manager. She does probably between 80 to 90% of the orders, depending on the week. And then Mm -hmm. I'll usually come in and have about a half a dozen, dozen things I suggest to throw on there. Or she has like a half dozen things that we just talk about and we go, well, what do you think? And then we kind of make a decision between two or three different brands. We have a, like the, there's a lot of like a blue lime or like a lime based prop um, three and a half on the market right now. So we're having the discussion. Oh, do we want to bring in simply bears lime mojito or do we want to do the blue lime pie from Wagner or the lemon crumb lime crumble from uprise? Like very similar flavor, but which one do we want to bring in and see if we'll move? Right. So, so you're, you're thinking that it's more like opinion based and kind of guesstimations rather than like an analytical approach. Well, it's, it's kind of the conversation by with the the kind of core crew at the shop as what what are we moving like what are we really finding right we're moving and what are the customers asking for because if we're hearing oh well we're looking for this type of bud i'll start looking for those type of genetics and suggest that that we bring it in or it's something new that i see that oh that's popped up in alberta and we haven't had it well, we should bring that in. It's going to move well. Cause it's, there's so many different SKUs available that it's just something catches our eye and we'll bring it in to see if it'll move. Okay. Okay. Do you think there'd be value in like, let's say if there was a piece of software that could collect all the information from these different retailers at like a city level and saying like, all right, in Calgary, these pre-rolls dominate the market and it's on like a cyclical basis where like okay in the summer people are outside they're smoking more pre-rolls 
we're going to recommend 20% of your inventory be this pre-roll brand. Like this is the most popular one. For it, it would take the guesswork out of it. For the smaller companies, um, like us at Boreal and some of the like High Prairie for the smaller communities, I don't know that it would have that much of a benefit because we have to cover such a wide array of customer base. Okay. When it comes into the cities, um, and even like the communities surrounding the cities, like Westlock, Barhead, they, those guys are half hour, 45 minutes outside of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. They would probably benefit from that um, kind of analytical approach to it because if um, like Fire and Flower and a little bit more of those industry size shops, they would use that I could and actually direct their sales a little bit more towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the smaller shops would almost use it as a, okay, well, if Fire and Flower is going to put their focus there, we'll bump up our additionals on the other side and support mm-hmm. what's lacking there. Right. So right. I can see within that. this, within the city, I could see the, it being hugely beneficial. And then on the surrounding parts, I could see it being that kind of counteract where the smaller shops go, Oh, well, they're not going to be bringing in as many ounce options. Let's bring in a little bit more options and ounces, not necessarily um, amount, but let's bring three different kinds in instead of one, three boxes worth. That's a really good point because if everybody's using that software, everybody's bringing in the same products there's going to be kind of like those edge cases or people that are looking for products that aren't the most popular. So there's that, yeah, there's that way to look at it. And you'll get benefit from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. That's like really I, I, I see it as being beneficial. It's just how is it going to be utilized? And that's that, exactly because you're yeah. going to have people who take that. Oh, well, pre-rolls go hot. Well, we know which pre-rolls are going hot. We know the customers that are coming to us. If we could bring in these three or four products, we know we're going to move them. Perfect. That kind of covers our ass on that side. But right. these guys aren't going to be covering these, these, these areas. Let's do that. Let's really make sure we can, because if we can get someone going, oh, well, we're going to be here for a week. You know what? If you're, we're going to see you every day buying pre-rolls, you might as well just buy this ounce. You'll get yeah. way more out of it and you'll have something to go home with. And mm-hmm. you'll be spending the same amount as you do on this pre on these pre-rolls four days. Right. Right. Well, yeah. yeah let's, like, let's do that. And yeah. then they still come back to three other days and buy pre-rolls because they want to smoke something different. Right. Right. That's a good point. You're, like, and you're not necessarily upselling people, but you're just, and that's, you're just giving somebody else the option. And if you have those options available. Mm-hmm. Well, some people might've not even thought about it. Right. Like exactly. You walk into the store thinking pre-rolls and you're like, well, hold on. Like we get you the same strain. And for a cheaper price or whatever than if it was like individually rolled. And we've got a 32 pack of cones here that all you need to do is bust it up and you're good to go. Yeah. Just stuff it in the cone. Yeah. That's a good point. Interesting. So like it, it would, it would create some interesting shop dynamics, I think in the city where a shop like us, where we've got our pre-roll customers, we've got our concentrate customers, we've got our topical customers, we've got the oil, like we hit every part of the market. So it's like you you got to be a little bit of a jack of all trades at the shop for for knowledge side because we get a little bit of everything. What do you guys do for like online sales or what's your kind of perception of online sales like like the click and collect kind of like are you guys doing a ton is it like a, just a small portion of your business what could be changed? We don't have any click and collect sales set up right now um with our shop 
as at the moment, I don't see it being beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I would see us almost doing better having delivery come on first before we do click and collect. Uh, just because then it's, we get that order, it's paid for, it's pulled from the system. We're not ma- we're not doubling up on the sale. We're not doing that because once that order is confirmed and we've confirmed that sale, we're pulling the product out of the cage sure. or out of the drawers and it's then dealt with, it's sold. Mm-hmm. Where if it's, oh, well, I, I bought this and it's sitting parked and it's not bought and we have a customer coming in to purchase it, it's going to make it real hard to go, oh, did you, what, what's this meant for? Right. Yeah. I guess that's like store policy. It depends on like what your policy is. Do you give it to the customer that's already in the store or do you, cause it was reserved prior. And that, and just the system that we use, cause we've just transitioned to a new um, POS system that we're still figuring out the kinks. We're still figuring out how we're going to do that. And for us, it's at this point, it's not beneficial. Right, right. Like it's just, it's not. Well, we, when delivery, we could delivery, see it happening. When delivery rolls around here, you'll be able to prepay. Like a big thing that like Dro was kind of tackling is um, like exactly what you're talking about, like the prepayment. Like we yeah. can't accept payment legally. We can't because then it's an online purchase, mm-hmm. even though you're going in the store to pick it up. But let's say somebody's like out for lunch with their significant other, their mom or whatever. And they're like, oh, let me just make a quick order, pick it up on my way home they could prepay for it and then just come in the store, pick it up and it'd be paid for. And then it kind of resolves that problem. So yeah, that's something to consider with this change coming out in March. Like it's not just yeah. like delivery. Yeah. It'll be able to do like curbside. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if, and if we can do the, the, the prepaying, that would, that would be the biggest kind of solution to the problem because it's like, okay, then the product is out of our stock. It's yeah. already, it's already been per- paid for. It's confirmed this is their product. Right. Because if it's just sitting in that queue, whose product is it really? Yeah. I get, yeah, it comes down to what the store wants, like if whatever the policy is. Exactly. And there's t- there's certain times where when you're getting by, berated by a customer and then somebody else walks in and they go, yeah, I ordered this. Oh, it's bad timing. <laughs> right. And our area, that would be the likelihood of what's happening. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's the, the population that we have and the, the amount of products we move to, like we move quite a bit of product. Yeah. Yeah. Do people ask about it? Are there ever like, Hey, like, I wish you guys had an online menu or anything like that. So you can actually go and see our menu online. Okay. So you can, so you can preview the menu. You just can't order. Oh, so the, the preview I like. I like people having like, cause they have it right on their phone and there's lots of times where they'll come in and they'll go, can I just give you my phone and we'll just swipe through. Perfect. Here, swipe, swipe, swipe. And I'll just go around and grab all the things, play a little game of where's Waldo and then scan them out and get them on their day. Right. It's that, that part. I love the website being up because we have customers that like today is order day. Um, when, while we're recording this, they'll sit there and they'll refresh their phone. Yeah. Starting at about three thirty, about every ten minutes, they'll go in there and refresh their phone, and they tell us this, and they're like, "As soon as we see the new, because as soon as we post new menu, it goes live on the website. Right. They swipe it, they see it pop up, and then they go and come right into the shop with what they want. Interesting. They have a list of what they want when they come in, and it's perfect. 
I, yeah. Because we have that, I don't see any reason why pre-queuing it would be necessary. Well, I guess you wouldn't have to do the where's Waldo point, right? Or like swipe through with their phone. Like it would just be like, all right, John Doe's coming in at two o'clock with these products. Well, we would get, we would be running around and grabbing the products beforehand and putting them in a bag, right? Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it, it, it'd be the same amount of work either way. It's just if they're there and they're ready to go, then they're paying for it right then and there. And the products are theirs then, right? Right. I wonder if um, like one thing that like we kind of focus on with our marketplace is to cross sell. So like, let's say you're looking at like a dry flower, we'll recommend like a bong or grinder, lighters, papers, because sometimes you forget as a bud tender, right? Like it's just not like you're focused on like the conversation or engaging the customer. So I wonder if like sales would increase if you had something online, right? Because now you can be like, all right, well, maybe you didn't come in for a grinder, but hey, maybe you need one. And it's just like, oh, this one's on sale. So almost like that, um, like the the add the breadsticks option at the end of the, the checkout for the bad. restaurant, right? Yeah. yeah. Like what, do you want fries with that essentially? Yeah, exactly. Something like that would definitely work. Um, and it's, it's the way we've got our, our um, cash and checkouts set up is we don't have any cannabis product laid out. Like it's all in our drawers. It's, yes. it's yeah. a pay, it's a paper. Um, so like we don't have the, in our glass displays, none of it's cannabis product. Right. So we have like, you don't see the visible containers or anything. It's just a paper menu. That's what yeah. you get. And then we have to, in our drawers, we pull out the product. Yeah. Um, so right by our tills, the till that I'm usually on. So when you're coming into the shop is on the right side, all of our papers are right there. Right. And then we've got our 510 batteries on the opposite side to it'd be the left tail when you're looking from the front door. And those are the two things that people are always forgetting to grab. So we've got them right there. So it's like the in-store version of that. And it's, we sell so much of those just by people going, oh shit, I need papers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually, and it's usually while we're putting the, sliding the product over to them, they look down through the glass and they go, oh, papers. And it's a secondary transaction. So if you had something like that set up on a website, you'd make just as many sales. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we see success with that. Um, Cause every single product that like, let's say you saw like, I don't know, crypto chronic and you have like the product itself with the price and the uh, description and so on and so forth. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see like the recommended products on the bottom. So it's exactly the same thing, yeah. just like digitized. Um, what about data? Like I know a lot of retailers and LPs are focused on data and kind of seeing what the market wants. Like what's your kind of perception of retailers and data? We don't seem to focus too, too much on it out here, or at least I'm not seeing the focus on it too much out here. And again, it's, we really don't have a heavy competition in town Yeah, um, because it's us and fire and flower and fire and flowers located right on the highway, right across from Walmart. The people who are going to go there are either going to go there because they don't want to come to us because they've had a bad interaction. We've ID'd them and they just, like something has happened where they avoid yeah. the shop. You're yeah. going to have that no matter what it's retailer business. You're going to have some gruff with certain people. Yeah. And then the convenience of being right there and seeing that the weed shop's right there. Yeah. That's kind of the primary fire and flower consumer. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of people who come out of their way to come to Boreal. So 
we don't tend to get a lot of the data or battling with that. It's just a lot of adjusting the products and the actual, um, well, mainly just the products we have and the information we have access to for the Mm -hmm. consumers and what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more of just a consumer adjustments that we're doing and demands versus the actual data. And it's mainly just because we don't have the, the little bit more of the nitty gritty competition where we have to be looking at that analytical data every day. Right. Interesting. Something we've recently pushed out is um, like a retailer data pool. So because we're already integrated with a lot of POS systems, retailers contribute to this data pool. We have an analytics dashboard that we take this information. So like, it's all anonymous and secured. It's nothing like the store is doing this in revenue. It's more so like Edmonton is doing this much in revenue and these are the popular products. Um, And then we go populate an analytics dashboard, um, monetize it with LPs because they're interested in the industry. They want to see kind of what's happening in real time. And then we actually provide a kickback to retailers for contributing to this pool. So it's a way to kind of monetize data that you're sitting on. And it's so valuable. And not a lot of retailers kind of realize that, that everything in your POS system is just like incredible, incredible information and really important for strategy to LPs. Well, it's it. Just being able to, especially because of the uh, the factor that this is a plant and you guys need to, like, if you're bringing a new product out, you're almost planning 12 to 18 months in the future. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're going, oh, we're going to drop seeds on this. For me, trying to figure out a plant, that's six months. Yeah. You're looking at two to three times, depending on the scale and the size. Huge a small a small craft grows, they can pound it out in 12 months if they get lucky on a pheno hunt. Yeah. 18 to 24 is what you're really looking for, for a stable, good product on the market. And then it's dead. They're, they're usually moving on to the next one. Yeah. So when they're planning that out, they need the analytics and the, the, the data that's there to go, oh, okay. So the, in the fall, we're seeing the fruit and Kush based pre rolls being dominated there. They need heavy terps and a decent THC percentage. Okay, right. that's the type of strain we should be hunting to release midsummer, yeah. so that we have it catching stride early fall. So when the re- the pre rolls come out at the best that peak kind of level, it's right when they're going to take off. Yeah, yeah. I, there's, I got, of- there's huge benefits to that, and it'll benefit us more than anything else, the consumer more than anything else. Well, cause they're being listened to. And yeah, a lot of these like craft growers don't have like a huge infinite budget. So like when they plant, like it has to be a banger when it releases. Right. So it does, it does help with strategy. Well, how many are keeping their, their finger on the pulse down in California and the, the places down there where they're like, Ooh, these, these new strains are starting to pop off down here. Let's get, yeah. a, let's get these cuts up here. So that when they yeah. are blowing up and it's all over Reddit, we've got the first releases coming out that may be a little subpar for the, the, what they're seeing of the top line down in California, but yeah. it's going, Oh, well, these are some of the first two companies that are releasing this. Then yeah, everyone's down. trying it at the top level because they've gotten that kind of stride and they've gotten that better product out there. Yeah, it's funny. While well, you mentioned that I'm seeing a lot of companies like Canadian companies going down South and then a lot of us companies coming up mm-hmm. here. Like there's like cookies engage, for yeah. example, just dominating social media right now. Be, uh, I, be interested to see some Alberta products. 
Well, there's, I, I was hopeful that Ojin was going to be that brand. Um, yeah. But the quality has been work slowly making its way a little in a downward trend, which is disappointing. Yeah. Um, so like I've started to kind of look at natural history as being yeah. one of those companies that's going to be able to really do well with putting Alberta on the market. Um, Violet Tourist does a good job, but they're just a small production. That's that's what's holding them back. If they could get more flour out there, yeah. the quality they would be able to put out would be amazing. Um, and the one other one, uh, Freedom, is Freedom. doing really good stuff. I'm I've been impressed with everything I've tried from them. A little dry on the one on the slurricane ounce I had, but that genetic can be like that sometimes. You throw in a bovida and see what happens. Well, exactly. Um, and mold prevention is a bigger, bigger worry than molded. sticky, sticky bud, right? Yeah. You get yeah. mold and all of a sudden three grows are out the window. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge time and money waste. Have you correct me if I'm wrong, is ghost drops in the Alberta market yet? They I believe are. it is, yeah. I haven't seen anything so far on my end. I know it's huge in Ontario right now. I'm I'm seeing it like the the high buds club is um the bud tenders association I believe is who puts that on and it's a like essentially a bud tender social media group it okay. is nothing but people from Ontario hyping up the ghost drops uh and one of my um pretty consistent viewers and he's a heavy smoker like his tolerance is ridiculous he's like yeah I got through that joint and I was toasted Whoa. so like through a half gram joint he was he was ripped so i'm definitely intrigued to get my hands on some of that and see what it's like because i'm hearing nothing but great things about it and on all of the genetics z splitter the khalifa kush or khalifa mints and uh they have one other one i can't remember right now it's interesting when you see legacy market products and genetics hop over to the rec market and it just takes over yeah right well, it's the, we it's the strains that. that took over on the legacy market come back yep. over here. And everyone's like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to see more of it. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to see like more innovative products that aren't just like dry flower pre-rolls and vape carts. You know what I mean? Like yeah. edibles that are, I don't know. I'm just kind of pulling things out of the air, but like dried fruit edibles. I know there's a few on the market or um, I don't know, like a cannabis cigar or something like that. Yeah. Well, like, even, even just the, the infuse your own option yeah. where it's like, this is ready to do, ready to go. All you want, all you have to do is this. So if yeah. you have um, like the ripple packets are a good example of that because they're that, but if you have um, something that can fall a little bit more in the oil category where it's like, well, you can infuse your own olive oil and it'll be a hundred milligrams. Right. You can infuse your own, like those would be interesting and innovative too. Yeah. It'd be yeah. nice to I see know, that. I know fat 420 small company, but just like yeah. really pushing for like the new kind of products. They have a, an infused sugar. Yeah. We have it's that just stock. Like, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause now you can just like make your own edibles and dose it accurately. And yeah. you don't have to go through the process of like decarbing weed and then just like infusing the sugar and it's all done for you. Yeah, that one's nice. Veritas has uh like the a mug, the hot chocolate, and they actually have a mug brownie too, like a microwave yeah. brownie. That, yeah. Those yeah. two seem to be uh, 
interesting. Uh, what was, yeah, like it'd be, it'd be nice to see that, to see more of those kind of innovative or even like, um, what would be really interesting to see like seasoning packs where it's like, where it's like a dry seasoning pack with a high THC where it's like, say it's a teriyaki dry rub, but it's at hundred milligrams and it's meant for four chicken breasts or it's meant for a rack of ribs. There's a, a hot sauce on the market. Yep, I've tried that. Is it good? It the, the brand that they paired up with is top quality hot sauce. Like the actual consistency and the quality of the hot sauce is good. Yeah. Now, my heat tolerance is quite high, so I don't think it's that spicy. One of my okay. coworkers tried it, and she said I could only have one bite of a wing that we tossed in it, and it was burned in my mouth. So take it at your own risk, it's right? Subjective. What would you compare it to in terms of spiciness? Is it like a Frank's Red Hot? Is it like a Sriracha? Like what? Uh, it's, it's a mango habanero, I believe is what it is, or a pineapple habanero. So oh. it's got that... Um, kind of the the sriracha level of heat but more the thai chili style of spice gotcha. so it's got that kind of sweet and then the back of your throat burn right. i dumped the whole thing into um some shepherd's pie that i had yeah. it, it was like having cracked pepper like fresh cracked pe- a lot of yeah. fresh cracked pepper in the shepherd's pie but yeah, yeah. my heat yeah. tolerant i i crush hot wings just for the fun of it so yeah i think you and i are on the similar on a similar <laughs> level with the heat tolerance i yeah I love spicy food um, uh, if I'm having hot wings, I should be sweating. Otherwise they're not hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, have you tried the hazel hash stick? No, I have honestly, a lot of the infused pre-rolls I haven't gotten into. It's not, it's not a pre-roll. It's, it's like, um, it's the, it's the like pencil stick hash. of hash, right? Yeah. It's just pressed hash. They like rolled it up. And then put a little air hole in the middle and you just, it's like, a, it's hash. Like yeah. there's no paper, there's no filter or anything. It's just mm-hmm. like a raw stick of hash. We've, we've got them in the shop and I've looked at them and I've considered it, but I just haven't ever actually bought it. Pull the trigger, pull the trigger on it, do a review. I think you'll like it. I yeah. liked it. I I've heard some people actually take those and pack them with a little bit of flour and that oh. works. And then that would work so much better for not only the airflow but the actual yeah. burn on the hash so i'm thinking hmm if, if i was gonna pull the trigger it'd be two of those that i'd be pulling the trigger on <laughs> yeah you can do some experiments like you know what a time bomb is right where you just like put a uh joint in a bong bowl and then just yeah. like it's like a fuse if you do something like that oh yeah there, there's too many the the issue with me is the cost of all the products that I could play yeah. with. Cause I'm looking at things. I'm like, Oh, I could get the three and a half for that. And then I'm like, well, I could get two more of those and press them into rosin and that'd be good. And right. <laughs> all of a sudden I wanted to buy an ounce of every three and a half that I'm doing a yeah. review on just so I could play with it and do something new. Too many options. Um, do you write off like your cannabis? Like, can you at least the GSC? I wish. I'd look into it, talk to your accountant. I, I feel like you could, like, if you set up like this review business kind of thing, because it's a business expense, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just not sure with it being cannabis, if I'm able to, because I know I'm able to get a little, especially now that I'm going to have a medical site that I can order through, I'm going to be able to get my medical side of the stuff covered yeah. up to a certain extent, but I don't know 
if it being a recreational market, right? If it'll get covered, because I don't think it falls under that with um, anything with the exclusion of wine. I think wine has a subcategory where you can for some reason. Interesting. But I could be wrong with that, and that could be just certain states down in the U.S. So maybe, maybe like I wouldn't take my word on that. I definitely have to ask somebody that's a little bit or I should say a lot more knowledgeable in that field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, check it out. I, I think it'd be worth looking into my save you a couple bucks and get oh, you a absolutely. that would be nice. Just to help, <laughs> help cover the cost of a week's worth of reviews would be beneficial. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where things go this year. Well, it, there'll be some big changes with, especially with the Alberta cannabis, like the org that online shop coming down. I think we're going to see some faster changes coming through because it doesn't have to be implemented into their store and, or it doesn't necessarily have to benefit their store. Yeah, exactly. Well, and health Canada next spring is supposed to come out with some, they're currently reviewing yeah. uh, the federal cannabis act. So we're going to see a lot of changes next spring as well for like uh, farm gates, consumption lounges, taxes, marketing, oh, edible increase limiter, hopefully. Uh, we can they need, to, they need to get rid of the cannabis equivalency for drinks that's just yes they need the to get process. rid of the cannabis equivalency period yeah yeah it's like, it, it, in some cases it doesn't make sense in some cases like the dried flour can kind of make sense or like the vape carts i just i want to see how much dried flour is in a product but it shouldn't limit how much i sh- could be able to purchase it, it like i i don't have an issue with the third, the 30 gram limit per purchase. Sure. If that's what you want to keep, because that's not uncommon. It's, it's standard across the majority of um, like you look down in Washington, you look in yeah. Colorado, they're all 30 gram limits, but it's a 30 gram purchase limit. Yeah. Not a 30 gram carry limit. Yeah. The carry limit we can get rid of because yeah. if somebody wants to come and buy 30 grams at a time and then, 25 minutes later we see them and they're buying 30 grams of something else whose business it is is it of mine yeah if they're buying the exact same product over and over and over again as a shop we can go okay we've got to hang on to this for other consumers you've just bought three of these ounces we've got three left come back tomorrow if you want another one yeah that's on the shops yeah and and if you don't care then get he can buy all six yeah, it's just kind of silly that you could go into a liquor store and buy a pallet of beer and you're not limited to anything, but you know what I mean? You can't walk into a store and all these, a lot of these retailers are suffering because they can't mm-hmm. sell a product, right? Like $50,000 a month is like a good month for some retailers. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. And like we, the, especially when it comes to the drinks, if, even if you wanted to keep an equivalency on it, one gram or make it one. Have it be a single one can so you can get a max of 30. Yeah. I've got no issues with that. Yeah. Or you figure it out so that it's a max of whatever round number of 12 you want to do. Right. I've got no issues because we have, we have a lady that comes into our shop and probably every, yeah, every two days she comes and buys five ginger ales, the Baker street ginger ales. Yeah. Those are, she calls them her mocktails. Doesn't drink. Used to be an alcoholic decides to stop drinking booze, drinks these instead comes and gets a vape cartridge once a week and five of the five of those 
every two other two every other day she'll come and get those yeah. she asked when she can buy 12 of them because she just buy a box right we bring in boxes for her a week because it's about a box a week she goes through because you know she's coming in and she she just asked asked us to we don't yeah. sell a whole bunch of those baker street and ginger ales other to her we have right. people who want to buy a case of the beer because they'll go home and they'll drink a case of beer while they're watching a hockey game or something. The right. Molo fives. Yeah, we would yeah. sell those like the Wapa King packs. Why can we buy an ounce of pre-rolls like 70 pre-rolls or 80 pre-rolls with the, the snack packs, but we can't get a case of beer or a case of drinks. Yeah. I think, um, I think health Canada was very worried about how legalization would look. I don't think that they thought people would like start like killing each other and anarchy in the streets, but I just, they were worried about like addiction and youth and so on and so forth. So they went, they went very strict because it's easier to loosen restrictions over time rather than loose restrictions and then tightening it up. So I can see their perspective, but then again, it affects the consumers, the businesses. Right. I, and I think the, the kind of horror stories on the edible side of things from Colorado and Washington when they first started where it's like oh these people got so high that they fell off a balcony it's like okay yeah one person yeah, did that that's an edge case like it is it is such a odd case scenario and he was drinking and there's other things involved that you can't just blame the weed I understand the the approach of 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 the safety net but there also has to be the look of okay these are adults yeah, we've got we got to let adults make some decisions for for themselves. Right. And it's we've been we're coming up on three years now where we've had access to almost everything. Let's start loosening it up a little bit like and everyone's like, well, we should see 100 milligram edibles. I'd be happy seeing a, a bump from 10 to 25. Yeah. And then going and then then having the edible section be capped at 25 milligrams and then you go into concentrated edibles. Where are your 50, your hundreds, okay. your two fifties? They are a separate category. That's a good because idea. Because they, they shouldn't be considered edibles. No. Because 25 milligrams is a usable dose. 25 milligrams is an enjoyable dose for the average user. It's that it's going down the hole a little bit, but for the majority of our consumers, they're like, yeah, 25 milligrams. It'd be a lot. It'd be yeah. a lot for some people. I've had 800 milligrams and not fell a thing. <laughs> like so for me, I would only be looking at those concentrated edibles to play in the edible factor, but they're concentrated. They're heavily dosed. You shouldn't be looking for the best flavor. You shouldn't be looking for, we're just wanting to get as absolutely high as possible. Right. Let's put that but in I its mean, own category. You can buy like grain alcohol in the liquor store and it's like what? 80%, 90%. Exactly. doesn't taste great, but it gets the job oh. done. Well, you <laughs> guess psoriasis with that. Well, and, and if, if you had, if you had a raw distillate hundred milligram gummy and it was 10 bucks, we would have people come in and buy 12 of those. Yeah. They would, they would buy a box of them just purely because it's like, Oh, decent price at hundred milligrams. Does it taste good? Does it need to is my question. <laughs> just gets the job done. It's hundred milligrams. If it's a small little square and it's just yeah. got some natural fruit flavor flavoring in them and it's basic gelatin. Do you need anything really fancy? to go along with it. You can buy the 10 it. milligram gummies for the quality and, really the, like and the taste. You should, you should pitch that to somebody, some government official or <laughs> someone. 
Oh, I, I'm going to be preaching it on here as much as I can <laughs> because like there, there's no reason why we shouldn't have, even if it's a subcategory, we've got the pennies, like the penny capsules are a perfect example of that first rendition of it. You get right. five, 10 milligram capsules and they're the size of a little melatonin pill. Like they're real small. That's a concentrated edible is what that is. How do you, get, you, uh, uh, you get the like a ripple powder that's at 25 milligrams a piece and you put four of them in a bag that's a concentrated edible right like right switching it up a little bit on when you mentioned like the um capsules uh did you hear ontario's allowing samples now <sighs> ontario's a half a step ahead of us it seems like on, a, on some of these projects that'd be so nice well that would help you out for reviews, oh, right huge sample product like you don't necessarily have to have a whole ounce of something but just like a gram or two just well, to see what it like well exactly i could it, it'd give me that like on instagram it'd give me the hey here's the i've got a bong and i've got a joint we're gonna go through and we're gonna quickly give this through the bong it had minimal flavor through the joint it smoked really well i definitely right. recommend this for more of a joint weed little right. things like that just to give people an idea because you have bong smokers you can be joint smokers yeah like, there's customers who ask me, well, how'd you smoke it? Cause I like, I don't want anything to do with a jet lighter and a bong or anything like that. I just smoke joints. It's like, right. don't worry. If I'm, if I reviewed a strain, I, I covered all of the possible yeah. ways of smoking it be purely because I want to be able to talk about it. Do you ever use a dry herb vape, like a volcano or a PAX? Uh... Um, I had a, like, I originally started with a Dyna, a Dynavap, not a Dynavap, um, Oh, is it a whisper? Oh, um, I've got a Dynavap now. So that's what I use here. Okay. So this is actually, you just pack the butt in there, throw the cap on, and then you actually heat it with a torch lighter. Right. And this works amazing for overall right. flavor draw. It's, it, it's essentially a one hitter vaporizer is the best way to describe it. Yeah. I, um, the CFC is what I used to have this boundless CFC. Okay. It worked all right, um, but the amount of maintenance that I'd have to do to keep it flowing really well was just too much. My buddy right. Tron hooked me up with that Dynavap, and I love it. Um, yeah. I do want to get into a PAX-3 and see what that's like because it's supposed to be one of the top quality vaporizers for battery. Yeah, The Volcano is the one thing that I'm thinking about getting just purely for convenience of having at home. And then I've got like... Um, my girlfriend and my mom who don't have, well, my mom has no interest in smoking, but having just a here, just stand here and let's blow the vapor by you. Cause she mm -hmm. takes the capsules. She takes stuff like that. She's a little bit more interested and uh, willing to look at that because it's like, Oh, it's not smoke. I'm not inhaling off of a joint. It's just kind of, I'm in the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, um, have you ever been to Mark Emery's cafe in Vancouver? No, I haven't been. So I, I went there in 2019 and that was the first time I tried a uh, volcano game changing. Like it was so like never went back. I, I have, a, I have the packs two, and it's really good. I, I wish I got the packs three because you can put in concentrates. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I definitely recommend the packs check out whisper whisper is interesting because it's not battery powered. It's butane powered mm. and it's a similar setup to like your one hitter that you have but you just like charge it with butane and then it, it's like a little um, pilot light ignition switch and that heats it up and it sounds like a whisper. Like it's like a, and then, Oh, uh, interesting. 
it just heats it up. Yeah. And it's, it's like relatively cheap. I think you can get one for like 150 bucks, 200 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would probably work really nice um, for a comparable smoke to this Dynavap. Yeah. The what the biggest reason I'm starting to really like this is just the versatility with it because um, you can actually go and get adapters for it. So I've got like this is a little Kong barrel, but this okay. is actually an 18 millimeter adapter for the bong. And okay. then there's uh, the glass one right here that is a 14 millimeter adapter. Nice. So. The, o- the only thing I'm missing to round out this experience is a convection heater, because if I can get a convection heater, that will provide that perfect surround heating. And then I can also control the temperatures a little more. Interesting. Interesting. You're not much of a dab guy, are you? Other oh, yeah. Yeah, you dab? Oh, yeah. I, I, I smoke a little bit of everything. I, flour is definitely my workhorse. It's my go-to. I, I like the the quality of the high and the length of the high is the best for me. It's, it's the medical side of the approach. Um, Dabbing and concentrates are um, a little bit more of a kind of dessert experience for me, like really sweet. I like them at the kind of the end of a session or it's like, Oh, I just want something candied. I like the flavor and the rush is very sugarish. I hit it's heavy and then it's gone 10, 15 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. I can see how people just like go through a card. A buddy of mine. Okay, so I've never heard of this. And he's just, he's the funniest guy. So he has the PAX era. So, you know, like the PAX pods, like, yeah, like they can last you, right? But like me, I could go, yeah, exactly. I could go through it in like two weeks. Like if I'm really hauling through it. So I've I've killed it. I've killed the cart in an afternoon or an evening, (laughs) I should say. Bad man. Um, so this buddy of mine ordered a, a pod through Dro, and then that was in like September, October, November, December, January, February, March. It took him like six months, like to go through this pod, and he was like on the lowest setting and just like puffing on it. Like it's just, I I couldn't imagine it lasting me that long. Oh, yeah. Like for me, I always I'm like, oh, this half gram cart would be good to review, and I'm like. Yeah. I need to remember that half of that half gram card is done at the end of the review. So I end up, and if I like it, I end up just sitting there and smoking it the rest of the day. And then I'm like, Oh, well, there goes that half gram card. Like, do you, um, you like the high voltage? Are you like a high voltage guy? Or you like, do like the lower end? It depends on the cartridge. That's the one thing I found with the reviews is that they vary so much from cart to cart. There's some that work really well on that high um, temperature and then there's others where that lower really kind of light heat setting works um, better since I've gotten um, like this battery this, this is a pulsar preheat device is what it's called okay it uses a magnet to connect you at the base but when you run it through its preheating cycle it's got a 10 second heat to the base like most 510s and then this green wrap this is actually a heater as well it'll put surrounding heat around it so it'll drop it down and pull the air bubbles up yeah this has saved my reviews so much time just because it preps those carts for it well yeah like you you grab like a cheaper end kind of battery and it just it clogs for a second because it has to heat up the element first yeah exactly and then and then you can actually draw from it but that's that's a good idea and what's it called the pulsar preheat 
yeah so it's a pulsar preheat device oh that box is buried back there um oh man but yeah they're awesome you got to start putting in like amazon referral codes for these products you'd make so much money just oh what what needs to happen is i just need to have a, a little referral shop where it's like this is what i use this for here are the videos referenced click yeah. brings you to the shop and uh pitch it to your store manager be like the trevor section and it's just like oh. what i'm speaking on this week well it's usually i'm educating the people at the shop the people are referring <laughs> back to it or I, we've got it's surprising the amount of people who come in and like I've reviewed something and then the next week we're sold out of that product. Oh, wow. And like, I don't even notice it. And at the end, I'm like, holy shit, we're done this. They're like, yeah. Since like Tuesday, we've been selling a shit ton of it. I don't know why. I'm like, oh, I reviewed that and it released on Monday. <laughs> like interesting. it's, it's interesting to see the locals around me that tune in and watch the channel. Yeah. Like I, I just with the area that I have, I didn't expect it at yeah. all but like there's a decent like there's probably a half a dozen people who watch every single review that goes out and will make a purchase decision based off it and will come in and talk to me about it well they trust your um like re- your review and like your honestness honesty well, towards them. or they've they've found that my palette's either the same as theirs or di- or different in a way where it's like oh if he doesn't like this for this reason this reason this reason i'm gonna love it for those reasons right, because right. it's just it's a different taste i like this he doesn't but these strains we get along and we both agree on that they're good so it's just that it gives them an idea of what to expect too which is nice okay that makes sense that makes sense and it's interesting to hear that comparison yeah well i'm sure people come in they're like i'm sure you've had a a celebrity moment where they're like oh i saw your review i'm gonna pick this up (laughs) we're we're getting we're getting more people who are starting to do that and it's funny i'm hearing i'm being more involved in that high buds club with the bud tenders. There's some yeah. people who have uh, gone, Oh, well, we've got a customer who've, who's mentioned that. Oh, now we know where the information's coming yeah, from. Right. Like it. they've, that, that bridge has almost been connected now. Just wait till people start taking selfies with you. That's when you know yeah. you made it. <laughs> yeah. We'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think the, this podcast definitely is going to help with that. Cause it seems like there's some real need and desire for just the, the cannabis industry conversation. Yeah. hundred percent. People just want to know what's going on and kind of perceptions and they don't want to feel alone. Oh, exactly. And just open up the, uh, the possibilities or um, open up a people's minds to how many possibilities there are out there. Right. Like there's, there's so many just kind of gaps in this industry for people to come in and fill in their own way. Because it's it's a brand new industry. Like this is, I I was, and this is funny. I end up referring to EMS because everyone, well, this is a baby of an industry. This is just a kid of the industry. Because in first response, EMS is the the redheaded bastard baby of of the first response. It, it gets forgotten about a lot. Military, right. fire, police—they get the core focus of the industry. Like it, it's true. I moved from that into a true baby industry. And I'm like, yeah, EMS is not a baby of any industry. It's a monster. This is a baby industry because every day there's a new product. Every day there's a new business. Every day there's a new idea. Like it's, it is endless. And in the next three years are going to be crazy because if we see 
the restrictions lighten up from Health Canada, you're going to see a whole bunch of new companies come in that uh, can't get their stuff sorted out for the restrictions that are here. They need that higher THC cap or they need the ability to put out a little bit more bulk based product on the drinks or the edible side. So they need that fluctuation, the ability to do that. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to look like the industry will look much, much different in in three years or less. It's going to mature, go from like a toddler to a kid. Well, exactly. It's going to learn how to walk is what it's going to do in the next three years, really, because um, the next three years, you're going to see kind of a timeline come down for the States is my, I'm thinking for, I, I don't necessarily think for a nation based, like a federal level legalization, but more of a. 80% 80% coverage of the country being medical use with dispensary access. I think so. At the very least, there's going to be some holdout states. There always is. Yeah. But I think 80% of that country is going to be access to with a full industry, whether it just be medical or whether it be rec within the next three years. And once it hits that kind of 80% cap, there's going to be, no argument against pushing it federally and we've got we've got three years to get ready for an international wave is what is kind of where i'm going with that where our our companies need to be ready because they could go down there and absolutely dominate and make canada a like it's A a unique industry to be a powerhouse in but it's a good industry to be a powerhouse in because like the liquor industry it is nothing but money no, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for Canada to kind of show what it can do. So we'll see. I just, I think it comes down to restrictions really. Yeah. Cause they're just, they're bound to it. Um, tell you what, I got to jump off, but this has been fantastic. I really enjoy the conversation with you. Uh, we gotta, we gotta do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to have you on, man. This was, this is a blast and a totally different approach to the conversations than uh, I've been having with the last few. So it's, it'll be fun. But yeah, awesome. Okay, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and yeah, let me know. I'm excited for the episode to drop.